Hello and welcome along to the On The Whistle podcast. I'm your host, Zain Nabi. As you can see behind me, if you're watching on YouTube, Christmas is nearly upon us. And so are the World Cup semifinals. What is your Christmas wish? Mine is to see a tiny nation in North Africa capture the world's imagination. Yes, that's right. I'm hoping Morocco can continue on their fantastic run that's seen them knock over Belgium, the world number two team. Rula, remember I'm, I'm podcasting. <laughs> Did that come through? We are keeping it in because around the dry, anything can happen. Courtney Freeze, he's flying with us, our former PSL winner. Welcome. The father to Stavrula, how are you doing? I'm in my daughter's room. That's why I had to sell it to be quiet. And as you can see, I've got no Christmas tree, but in the in my top right-hand corner, I've got a monkey on the door. There. <laughs> <laughs> you know, man, and if you look in the top right-hand corner again, there's some soft um, toys there. How can I be here? I own the house. Zane, Zane, don't listen to Courtney. This is his bedroom. Those are his toys. <laughs> don't believe him for one minute. <laughs> and you see, oh Alistair my Howell, God. that is I'm why so embarrassed. <laughs> you're our cross-platform reporter and co-host because you know how to investigate and come up with the right conclusion. Mm -hmm. This is Courtney Freeze's corruption. He's he's telling us lies. <laughs> Talk to me about your tree, Ali, for those on YouTube. I mean, I've also got a Christmas tree, not nearly as nice as, as Zane's, um, but try, trying to keep in the festive spirit. I mean, what what's out of picture is me wrapped up in a blanket and holding a hot water bottle as I try to avoid using any energy to heat up this house. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, we are living in a cost of living crisis, so every saving house. But gentlemen, I'm going to continue the introduction. The Moroccans. They beat Belgium, the world's number two team, coming into this World Cup. And if that wasn't enough, they banished the Iberians back to their peninsula. This Moroccan team has flown the flag of our continent, of the Arab world, and of every underdog so proudly. If I had a player, for me that is lit up, I speak about Amrabat, the passion, the pride, He's like an energizer bunny. He never stops going. Class of Ziyech, class of Hakimi, class of Bono and goals. It's strewn all across that pitch. And in Reg Rui, a wonderful coach with a great mind. But I'm going to get a little biblical on you lads now. Sometimes the mind is willing, but the body is weak. And I'm worried ahead of their big game against France. We're going to see a Morocco team that's going to run out of puff. I think, you know, Zane, if prior to the to the Portugal match, if you had said that, I would have agreed with you. And in fact, that was my prediction when I when I came into this. I said they're going to get to the quarterfinals. And when they beat Spain was amazing. And I said, you know, Portugal is going to be one too many because, you know, at, during the Spain game, we saw Amrabat taking injections until 2 a.m. the night before the match. We saw Saiz strapped up and having to play all the way until penalties. We saw Aguerd go off injured. And, you know, let's not forget that both Hakimi and Mezraoui, they're kind of famed wingbacks, both came into this tournament injured. Both of them were being subbed off in the group stage matches for Atiyat Allah to give them a rest, give them a break. And then Mazraoui was actually ill, not not uh, injured, but actually, you know, had a, had a bout of virus or flu or something. Um, and that's why he missed, missed the Portugal game. But in that Portugal game, 
what made me so proud of of this Moroccan team was the depth that they showed and the depth that I'll be honest I didn't think they had you know the big one for me was Atiyan Ala you know he was terrific let, let you know bear in mind this is a guy coming up on the wings against the likes of you know Bernardo Silva Bruno Fernandes and then Rafael Leao coming off the bench and then Ronaldo as well kind of wanting to drift out wide wanting to move into these spaces you know he had everything to do that day but he was terrific defensively and amazing going forward. He was the one who put in that cross for a Nezri's finish. Um, and so players like him, like and, and you know, like you know, El Yamik, who came in for, for Aguerd, you know, these players have shown that Morocco have the depth. And again, like I said, the ones that make me proud are the ones like Atiyat Allah, like Ashraf Dari, who came in as a substitute as well, because these are these are these are calf boys, these are boys who have been forged in the fire of the calf champions league. Playing for playing for Walid Regragi at, at uh, with that Casablanca, um, but it's great to see Yaya Jabran as well coming off the bench. And I think for me, that gave me a lot of hope because it shows that there is the depth. You know whether Saiz can manage to come back in some miraculous way again. I don't know. Um, you know we might be in a position where it is El Yamik and Ashraf Dari and Badr Banun. You know that might force Morocco to go to a back five instead of a back four. We don't know. Um, but for me, they have the depth and in the positions that they don't have the depth, those players have fought. And so for me, that's the big question is not if the team can keep fighting. But for me, there's three, three, maybe four players that have to be on their top game. The m biggest one is Amrabat. You know, he has been sensational for me, the player of the tournament, his defensive work, the way he breaks up play sensational. But the and the others, the other one for me that has been instrumental is Uenahi. Uh, Azadine Uwanahi, the midfielder, because the one thing that, you know, I see a lot of lazy analysis of this, this Moroccan side saying, you know, they're just sitting back, they're defending really well, they're really organized, but that's it. But that they're not just parking the bus. This is a team that gets up the pitch. They, they defend as a unit, but they defend together, whether it's in the middle third or the back third. And one of the biggest contributors to that is Uwanahi's capacity to get up the field, to receive the ball, one give one or two quick passes and get up the field get the ball turn drive up the pitch you know when Maher Mazahi came on our podcast he said this was you know in our preview he said this is the guy to watch this is the one to watch and he was spot on because you know he's an amazing dribbler he's great in those tight spots so for me him and Amrabat they have to be kind of riding high they have to be pushing as hard because if they don't if they let Mr. Griezmann get on the ball in the way that he did against England you know he's gonna run the show because he's sensational but for me if those two are on it Morocco have a have a chance. Let's not let's not beat around the bush. France are heavy favorites, but if those two are fit, Morocco can do it. Courtney, what gives you hope that Morocco A can beat Morocco B or the North African 11 B? Well, Zane, for me, I think it's it's down to the managers now. Uh the players are at their elite, they're at their fittest. They're not gonna, they don't need to be fitter. Okay, it's time for the analysis and how the manager sets up the team moving forward. Uh, I just feel that you 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 spoke about maybe Morocco could run out of legs. I just think Morocco have the momentum with them. I I, I think France fear Morocco because of the momentum. France didn't play well against England. France got nothing to shout about against England except just going through. But Morocco got the tide of momentum with them their front three i just think is excellent at the moment and some of the best crosses i've seen in this tournament have come from Pufala and, and ziach which have been 
unbelievable. The goal, and and help me with the name here, because I, I really tried to get the names. In Nyazeri, who's the, the is the main striker, the goal was exceptional. The leap, the jump. Because I was trying to think to myself, I don't know if you guys can remember Ronaldo's goal against Sampdoria, where he was clocked at about 2.6, 2.7 meters high, and he got the header in. I just looked at the guy's jump on the weekend. Unbelievable leap to get the winner in there. So I think, firstly, the team is set. The team is ready. As you said a bit early, Amrabat is an unbelievable Duracell Energizer Bunny. So it's down to the managers. Where is France's strong points? Left, back, uh, left uh, wing, where Mbappe is, and Griezmann on his left foot. The rest of the team is, I think, wanting, if I must be very honest. You know, they are not that potent team they were four years ago. They are not. Let's just be very honest there. And I think because of that weakness they have, I think Morocco just go for the juggler. Um, and and you may not need to, Alistair, I think, pointed this out. You may not need to throw the kitchen sink. Who cares? Sam Allardyce this thing. Sam Allardyce it. Win one nil playing ugly. Who cares? We want the W. All right, guys, I only have two more questions. I know we can talk for a long time. Where will this game be won and lost? For me, the game gets won in the in the change room. The game gets won on the manager's team sheet. The manager plots a victory here. The manager sits down. He's got the troops with him. The players are with him. They now believe. Because you must remember, Morocco are not the non-believers anymore. They are the believers. So he's taking them at their most confident to their biggest obstacle now. Because that's who France are. The game gets won in the change room on the calculation boards. The tactics win this game. And I think, again, you know, to build off that, the tactics so far for Morocco have been spot on every time um, in terms of how to nullify. Because what Morocco have done so well is they've not just defended deep, like I said, but every single game they've identified who is the key player and how do we stop them. So, you know, in that first game against Croatia, Modric was every time he got a ball, uh, you know, he was being chopped. And and you saw how fired up Morocco was. You know, there was that image of, I think it was Amrabat in the first like three minutes making a tackle on the wing. And just the entire stadium kind of lifted and he's screaming. And I think this three minutes into the World Cup, man, you've got, you know, five games left. Let's relax. Um, and then they did the same against Belgium with De Bruyne. They cut him off against against Portugal. For the most part, they were able to shackle João Felix and Bruno Fernandes. We saw the one or two times they got in good positions, they threatened. Um, and against Spain, you know, it was more about playing that deeper block because we know that Spain really struggled to break that down. Um, but I think for me, the question for this game, and and which is so fascinating, is because France's best player, you know, undoubtedly is, is Kylian Mbappe. You know, you get him in a 1v1 situation, he will rinse you. And Griezmann's been superb this tournament, for, but for me, it's Mbappe is always going to be the biggest threat. But then France's biggest weakness is right behind him in Theo Hernandez because Theo Hernandez, you know, is fantastic going forward. But we saw him against Bukayo Saka uh, against England. He was rinsed. I don't know if I've seen this tournament one winger having so much joy against a fullback. And, and so I think for me, this is so fascinating because for me, Morocco's strong side is always their right side because you have Hakimi, you have 
Ahead of him, you have Unahi playing on that right side, and you see the way in which those two link up, and then you have Ziyech in front of them. And so for me, it's going to be this fascinating battle about how much does Morocco give respect to Mbappe by by bringing Hakimi, you know, Mbappe's best friend who knows all his tricks, letting him just defend, stay 1v1. England did that really well with Kyle Walker against Mbappe. Mbappe, aside from that one moment where he beat Walker for pace, was really shackled by England, didn't do anything in the game. So how much respect do they give him versus how much do they really have a go at Theo Hernandez? Because Ziyech isn't the same as Bukayo Saka. He's got a lot more talent in terms of his technical quality, but he's not quite as fast. He's not as quite sharp as, as Bukayo Saka. So I think it's, that's where the game is won and lost for me, you know, because Morocco, we know they're going to clog up that midfield. We know that they're going to be disciplined defensively. And so for me, it's all down that right flank. How much joy does Ziyech get against Hernandez? How much joy does Mbappe get against Hakimi? Um, and I think it's so exciting because that's Morocco's right side. I don't think there's a stronger right side in 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 the World Cup. Certainly not still. You know when you you see the performances of Hakimi Onahi and 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 Ziyech. But you know France's left side is arguably the strongest of any, just because they have Mbappe and no one else. That doesn't matter because he's such a quality player. So I think for me that's that's where it all comes down to that that one wing, that one flank. So Alistair Courtney. Four years ago, Nigerian legend Sunday Olisa, he made a bold prediction about Morocco being a beautiful bombshell. Courtney, this is something you've spoken to both Alistair and I about. Do you want to read his quote? So what did he say? If the Moroccan team had the same facilities that the Japanese have had in preparation for the World Cup, Morocco will go to the semifinals. Alicia said this on a TV interview in 2018. But he said that in 2018, right? And, and you got to respect him. He's a big man. He, he's not a nobody. Won the, uh, the gold medal at the Olympics with Kano. But Alistair pointed out this when he was at the uh, Ladies African Nations Cup, the facilities, the investment that Morocco. Alistair, I remember speaking to us very clearly about it. He said, listen, there's something being built there. You know? Um so this nation has put the investment in and they are primed to do something big. And this is why I say, Zane, the momentum is with them. France are actually, if I'm the, the French national team, I'll be like, we got a bit of a problem here. Because these guys, they have no fear factor. And that's the worst thing to be, you know. You have no risk factor. Because Morocco are supposed to lose. France are not supposed to lose. They get no credit. They, they get more credit from losing well or even winning. But now France will almost almost be decimated if they don't win. How can they lose to an African team that's never got so far? What a disgrace. It will just be a humiliation. And I can't wait for it to happen. Just remember, on this pod, somebody did call it. I don't know who, but someone did. It might have been you. It might have been you and Ali. I, I can't um, be that good. Correct. Francis went for Cameroon and I went for Senegal to go the deepest. Um, hey, listen, listen, let, let's just talk about those because, you know, those teams have just made me upset. Cameroon and, and Senegal are like the Derek Chisoras of heavyweight boxing. I'm sick of them. All talk, do nothing. There's Morocco. Small Senegal won the African Cup of Nations. What are you talking Hold about? Hold on. Okay, win the African Cup of Nations. Morocco got knocked out. Go to the World Cup. Go on the biggest stage. Go do it. 
Hey, go do it. Come on, a list, my friend. Eric Chisora called out Tyson Fury. He didn't even go 12 rounds. Couldn't do it. Nah. Don't get involved. I'm not sure I agree with those analogies, but I'll ask you boys one more question before we wrap the pod. Walid Regragi has said that Morocco are the Rockies of this World Cup. I think we'll all agree with that. The famed boxer who most of us grew up watching um, in about five or six um, movies, being the underdog who won or the underdog coach. These days we have Creed um, for a new generation, which is pretty enjoyable. But I'm not asking you if Morocco are the Rockies. What I want to ask you instead, and I know we can get into this more once the dust has settled on this World Cup, but for a long time, we felt that African coaches have not been respected. What Walid, has, what Walid Regragi has done this year is he's won a continental title with Widat Casablanca, and he's coached the most successful African team at a World Cup with a very limited amount of games. I've got to believe that that is a very rare thing to do, if not done at all. Surely we are now discussing him as the coach of the year at the Ballon d'Or and the FIFA Best Awards. I'd like to go first, Zain, if you don't mind. I don't want him to win that award. I'd like it to be said, I, w I don't want him. I want him to win a contract in Europe. That's what I'd like him to get. Get a contract in Europe at a big club because I feel we always get to this point. The managers are doing exceptionally well. They're doing unbelievable things with 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 teams on our on the continent of Africa. He, he, it's not a mistake that Morocco are doing that well. As you asked me a bit earlier, where's the game won? I said it's won in the manager's tactics because he's that good. Get the man a job in Europe. Keep the Ballon d'Or. Keep it. That's not the important thing. Get the man a contract where he deserves to be on the table of the elites. Let him be up there. Because I tell you right now, Zane, as Gavin Hunt said, Pep, Jose Mourinho, they would win nothing in Africa. Nothing. Sorry. <laughs> well, I, I think my, my answer is that the whole, it's impossible for him to win because, you know, points the, the ridiculousness of these awards is that, you know, like the Ballon d'Or was already decided before the World Cup even started, you know, for, for, for a year. It's at, so for me, I never... I never, you know, care for these awards in terms of I don't think they mean much. It's a team sport. You know, the individuals don't matter. But I think, you know, we've had this conversation many, many times, not with Regragi, but with with our good friend Pizzo about getting that recognition. And I think, I, you know, to a certain extent, I agree with Courtney. I, personally, I would love for Regragi to, to stay with Morocco, have a good shot at the next AFCON. But I, but I guess, you know, it, it speaks to Courtney's point is that, you know, these opportunities for, for coaches from the continent are so few and far between. I mean, we saw this week another historic moment in the last week is is Toure kicking off at, at Wigan, which is an incredible achievement. And people, you know, it, it's such a shame because you say a, a player who's an invincible, won titles at Arsenal, been at Man City, you know, been discipled by, by Brendan Rodgers, one of the best managers in the UK at the moment in terms of a UK-born manager probably the best actually and yet he's getting a championship lower half table team and you know that that scene is you know for most for most football managers that would be a pretty embarrassing actually but that's how low the bar has been put for 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 people from our continent is that 
that's the best he can get despite all of his accolades, despite his brilliant background. And so, and so we have to celebrate it because I, I think Kolo will do magnificently and we're so excited, but that's, that's how hard it is to get into coaching, particularly at the biggest and at the best. And Pizzo's seen that, you know, he's seen, I can't, I can't do it in Europe right now. They're, they're not even giving the chance. And he said that he said that they've never given me the chance. I'm giving up. I'm going to go to Saudi and, and do my thing there. And so for me, I would love to see Regragi stay with Morocco, have a crack at the AFCON, have a crack at the next World Cup. But if if he doesn't win the next AFCON, his stock will suddenly be gone from 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 a coaching perspective because that's that's how the perception works. And so for me, I agree. I, in that sense, I agree with Courtney. Is this might be his one chance to get that step up to the next level, to get that step up to a to a big club team in Europe. And look, the reality is again for him, you know, being French base, base and born, and um, you know, potentially the best he can get is league, you know, league the or a lower league league team, and that is that's a crying shame because for me, what's frustrating is he has shown that not only is he a top top manager at the international level, but he's also a top top level at at the club level. You know, he's only the second Moroccan to win the CAF Champions League, and he did it the double with you know, also winning a Batola Pro and I think would have, you know, was two wins away from doing the treble, which I don't even know. I don't even know if it's been done in Morocco, certainly not for a very, very long time. And so for me, I agree with Courtney. What what matters is not the awards, the accolades, whatever. What would be great on a CV is manager of the tournament at the World Cup, which for me, he's already he's already got, you know. Um, and if he doesn't, it, we'll have words. Um, but for me, yeah, the biggest, reward he can get is that next step and see where is his next option where can he move from here because that has to be the conversation is where is the next progression and if there isn't room for progression i mean we know something's wrong but it'll be another level of, of frustration with the, with the system i'm gonna answer the I'm, I'm also gonna throw this in and i'm sorry zane i'm gonna throw this in with a question as well who has been morocco's most troublesome player over the last year, year and a half, I think we know we know the answer to that. Is Hakim Ziyech? <laughs> Hakim Ziyech, right? Hakim Ziyech doesn't want to play. Had a lot of fallouts, a lot of issues. If you've been watching the mileage this guy's been clocking up, his defensive work. Forget forget his crosses and his abilities to put the ball in. Forget that. Let Let's say he can't do that. Let's say he doesn't have a wand of a left foot. Look at his effort, work rate, and team dynamic. Who orchestrates that? Who brings him into the setup, gives him value, and says to him, we need you, and I also need you to put in a shift. Not just come on the ball and be a Pogba. No, put in a shift. Come on, man. Keep the award. Give it to Messi, too. Give him the Ballon d'Or and manager's trophy. We're not cared. That man deserves a top-class job in a top-class league. Well, again, I'm sure this is a subject we'll do more once the dust has settled on the tournament. He might want to build a, Mor a Moroccan dynasty if they continue the way they're running. Um, and I would say we have Saudi ownership. We have Emirati ownership. We have Qatari ownership now in Europe. Not saying those managers or teams might be looking for new people. But maybe down the line, that could open a door for him. And we also have an Iranian who, if I'm correct, owns Everton. So hopefully, there'll be something for Walid out there. Gentlemen, thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure. Morocco, we are right behind you. Atlas Ryans, go continue roaring. Go and show what you can do. 
and down the North African 11, otherwise known as France. We wish you well.